please uh, turn in your Bibles to Galatians 6. Well, we're here in Galatians 6, and we're going to be looking at verses uh, 6 through 10 uh, this week and next. And let's, uh, if you're able to, stand with me as I read God's Word. Verses 6 through 10, again, this is what we're going to be looking at this morning and uh, next, next, uh, next Sunday. Verse 6, one who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You may be seated. And Father, we do pray for your encouragement, your strengthening your word this morning. Help us as we turn our attention to your word to to study it more closely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, when I prepare a message, I'm, I'm often thinking of my primary audience, always thinking of my primary audience as the the family here at Bethany Community Church. And we're always excited for visitors, grateful that you're here. But the the primary audience is the the people who are a part of the Bethany Community Church family. That's that's the the first target of the message. But again, just mindful of other people being here. But it's, it's even more so the case this morning that this is a message, especially the first half, that's really targeted at those who would call Bethany Community Church your church home. We're going to be talking this morning about the relationship between a church and the, 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 the pastors, especially those who are financially dependent upon the church. So the church and the people that it financially supports. And this is not something for a visitor. Just know this isn't something we spend every week talking about. Uh, it's, it's something, I looked at my notes to see, when was the last time I talked about this? And I think it was in, when we were going through the book of Leviticus, I, had, I found a, like half a, uh, a paragraph where we talked about the financial obligation a church has to people who are on staff and sharing the word. And so it's not something we talk about often. It is something we talk about when it comes up in the text as it does today. But uh, this is, this is a, uh, it's a family conversation, and so I'm going to try to be as transparent this morning as, as appropriate uh, as, we, as we just talk about this issue as, as a family. I was reading several articles this, this past week kind of thinking about pastoral pay and pay of people in ministry and uh, thinking through how, how should we talk about this. This is a, it's a touchy issue, right? In fact, as I looked at articles, I found that very often for pastors or ministry leaders who had found themselves in some sort of trouble, it was almost always the case that there was some sort of financial issue that came up as well. In fact, the only issue sometimes was financial. I was uh, in Texas a few years ago, and I was talking with some of my classmates at a class reunion, and Several of them went to this church, and the, the last week before the reunion, a big expose had come out about the, the pastor of this church and how he made over a million dollars a year in compensation. And so that was kind of the, 
one of the topics that came up at the, the high school reunion. And, you know, people are talking, you know, those people go to the church where their pastor makes over a million dollars. Kind of a, a controversial issue. Uh, several pastors over the past few years, evangelical church leaders, have found themselves in, in some trouble. And one of the issues they found themselves in trouble with was over their, their compensation package, uh, $500,000 a year, $600,000 a year. And these are people that um, I've, I've quoted in my messages before sometimes, and one of them especially. And, and uh, just the issue of, of finances has been a, a big, big topic. Uh, there was a, another ministry leader who um, was uh, kind of a story came out about his compensation package. He's a leads an evangelism ministry and a relief organization, and they found kind of a, this report was published that he makes over eight hundred thousand dollars a year, and it's, it's very controversial. People were very up, upset about that. Like, should a person who's sharing the gospel make a, over uh, you know a certain amount of, of money per year? It's kind of funny, the, the month that came out, uh, someone came to me and they said, you know, I'm kind of concerned about how much our, our church uh, spends on, on staff salaries, which, which is an okay thing to be concerned about. I'm concerned about it too. Um, and uh, this person said, you know, I think we should be giving more money to this organization. And I knew that that, that uh, organization was uh, spending more on one person's salary than we spend collectively as a church. But um, that's, that's, you know, that is what it is, right? But this person, there was nothing else. This is, this is the point. There was nothing else this person had been accused of. There was no immorality. There was no um, treating their staff poorly. It was just the, the, the primary concern was, should a person who's leading a, a ministry that's focused on the gospel make $800,000 a year? Why does that make us uncomfortable? I mean, if someone came to you and, and they were saying, you know, this is, I did really well this last year and my company's doing great and I made 800, like we wouldn't have a, I think we'd be excited for them. Hey, good, you know, good for you. Use that money as God would have you. Use it. We'd be excited about them. So I don't think it's just the amount that makes us uncomfortable. And I don't think it's, the, we, don't, we don't like pastors. You know, I don't like, I don't want them to be happy. I don't want them to have a lot of money. So I'm, I don't think that's it either. I think what bother I think what makes me uncomfortable about it at least is is we see the gospel as uniquely valuable and it, it makes us uncomfortable because it looks it, it looks to the world like the gospel is a means to an end instead of the end itself. That the gospel is some sort of means to financial enrichment and, and that message is a message that, that concerns us. It's not a completely, again, not a completely comfortable thing for me to talk about this morning, since I am a person who, by God's grace, receives my, uh, my salary from the church. The church financially supports me in my ministry. In fact, I was, I was talking with my family this week on, on Wednesday night, or Tuesday night, or some night, and I was like, hey guys, just so you know, <laughs> this Sunday, I'm going to talk about Galatians 6, and verse 6 especially, and uh, it deals with, with um, the, the financial contribution that a, a pastor receives for his ministry. And there were groans, five groans around the table, like, oh, Dad. And one of the, the boys sarcastically said, what are you going to do, Dad? Call the sermon Pony Up Guys? Um, <laughs> so it's not, a, you know, it's not a comfortable thing. But the, the problem is, uh, the problem is, we, we need to think about this biblically. 
Uh, those of us who receive funds need, need to, to say, am I, am I thinking about the purpose of this rightly? Am I, is my heart burdened by greed? Am, am I doing ministry for the sake of money? And, and those of us who are giving need to say, am I, am I giving with the right motives? Am I giving enough? Am I, not, am I giving too much? Am I giving for the right purposes? And so we want to think about this biblically. And, and here's what's happening in this passage. Here's what's happening in verses 6 through 10. In verse 6, Paul gives this very specific instruction. It's about, you know, uh, it, it's about financially caring for those who teach the Word. Let the one who's taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. So it's this very specific instruction. And then, after he gives that specific instruction, he goes kind of broad theologically and talks about sowing and reaping in verses 6 through 9. And then verse 10, he kind of gives another specific application. So specific instruction about let the one who has taught the word, sharing all good things with one who teaches, and some broad principles of sowing and reaping, and then another specific application. My, and my intention was to cover this all at once, but there are some things about sowing and reaping that I want us to, to talk about more in depth, and so we're going to do that next week. And then I think it's just a good conversation for us to have, to think about how God would have us think biblically about what, what honestly is a very special relationship, a very special relationship between a church and the, the people that minister in, in teaching. And so here's the main idea that I want us to, to grasp as we look at verse 6 especially this morning. It's, it's, it's this. We financially support the ministry of those who instruct us in the word because we believe that their ministry has eternal value for our souls. That's, that's why we do it. We've, we engage in financial support of ministry of those who instruct us in the Word because we believe that the ministry that they're engaged in has eternal value for our souls, that ministry of the Word. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, first of all, some principles for the one who's taught the Word, for those of us who are taught the Word. How do we, how do we think about this, this relationship? And then I want to give some principles for those of us who receive uh, funds from other believers to enable us in word ministry, okay? So, let's first of all talk about principles for the one who has taught the word, okay? That's what we're going to look at first, some principles for the one who has taught the word. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things. Now, a couple things about just that first part of verse 6 that that probably stand out to us. First of all, we see that there's a, a, a person or people here who are being taught and that word taught is not some vague word. It's a, a word that des- describes instruction in theological matters. So Paul uh, uses that word in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 19. He says, I'd rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct, to, to take God's word and, and teach people. Luke uses that word as he begins his gospel to Theophilus. And he says, uh, Theophilus, I'm writing these things that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught, so that that doctrine, that truth about Jesus Christ and the gospel, the the things you were taught, I I want you to have confidence in those things. The word that Paul uses here in Galatians 6 is the word that we get the word catechism from. So it's it's this careful instruction in, in truth and theology, a theological instruction. Now notice another thing about this verse. He says, these people are to share. The people who are taught God's word are to share. And, and that word means to contribute or, or give something of, of value to. It's a word that describes a family. So it's, it's not someone just 
just on a, on a payroll. It's this, it's this family sharing, and it's, it's voluntary, this, this, this giving activity this person engages in. And then notice, notice also it says, all good things. What are we to share? All good things. When that, that phrase is used in the, old, the, in the New Testament, that word is used in the New Testament, it means physical provisions. It's, it's, it's physical things. Mary in Luke chapter 1 verse 53 talks about how God has given the, the hungry good things. In the parable of the rich man in Luke 12, 18, the rich man says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grains and my, my goods, my, my physical possessions. So what is the instruction? Let the one who's taught the word share, like as a family, physical, physical things. So let's talk about some principles. Let's talk about some principles here. Here's the first principle for those of us who are taught the word. Number one, value God's word. None of the rest of the things that I'm going to say make any sense or are convincing in any way if we do not value God's word. Paul's assumption here is he uses this word. He's using a word that describes theological instruction. And so someone who is receiving this instruction is only going to, to see the need to financially invest in it if they see value in the, the instruction that they're receiving. Paul isn't talking about someone who's taking a newspaper and sharing current events. He's not talking about a, a self-help guru. He's talking about someone who is communicating theological truth, truth about God. And you and I, if we're going to, to rightly follow Paul's instruction here, foundationally, we need to understand God's word is valuable. And being taught God's word is a valuable thing. We must value God's word. We have to be like the listeners in Ezra's day. Remember Ezra? In Ezra, we read in verse 10 of chapter 7 of the book of Ezra, it says that Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, so so to know the, the truths in Scripture, to do them, and then to teach them, to teach God's statutes and rules in Israel. And, and that's, that's, he places a value on that. And then the people that he's ministering to place a value on that as well. Nehemiah says in Nehemiah 8, chapter, uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1, that the people come together like one, and they come to the gate, and they, they say, bring us the book. Teach us God's law. Teach us what God has to say. This has to be our attitude. You have to say, look, I, I don't care about the pastor's latest opinion about the stock market, I don't care about his opinion about the Dallas Cowboys. We're in trouble, by the way, Cowboys are, if, if, if this whole quarterback situation doesn't get resolved soon. But anyway, uh, you say, I don't care about that. I don't care about, your, I don't care about those things. Ultimately, what I care about is instruction in God's word. That, that's what I value. This, the psalmist in Psalm 119, listen to what he says. He says, in, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. So, you take all the riches of the world over here and you, you give me your testimonies and I value your testimonies more than all the riches of the world. I, I will delight in your statutes, the psalmist says. I will not forget your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. A church that is going to be obedient to Paul in Galatians 6, verse 6, has to be a church that says, yes, we we value God's word. We see specifically instruction in biblical truth 
as a valuable thing for our souls. That brings us to the second principle. The second principle, number two, demonstrate the value you place on God's word then by financially supporting your teachers. The thing you're supporting here then is is the teaching of the word. There are some qualities that that pastors have that that are nice, right? They're, They're nice qualities that some pastors have and some pastors don't have. Some pastors are really good at uh, emotional stories. Some pastors are very good uh, intellectual thinkers. Some pastors have a unique ability to empathize, to inspire. Some, some pastors are very good at, at finances. Some pastors are great visionaries. Uh, some pastors are, are particularly adept at, at motivating a church in a certain direction. But those things aren't what we're financially supporting or the reason that we're engaging in financial support. I, I'm, I need someone, if I'm a person in a church, I need someone who is going to take the time not to read the latest motivational book and, and tell me how I can be more productive. I need someone who is going to take the time to study God's word carefully, who's going to use the time that I'm giving them to engage themselves in the study of God's word so that then they can come to me and say, look, here's what God's word says and walk me through it and help me understand it as well. And I'm not just supportive of other people supporting a person in that ministry. What this means is that I'm personally engaged in this ministry. And to deny, to deny my responsibility here, to deny my responsibility to financially support a person in the proclamation of God's word, is, is to go against what Paul and Jesus teach. Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 7, to, the, to his disciples as they're going about in their gospel proclaiming ministry, he says, uh, go and remain in a house, eat and drink what they provide. The laborer deserves his wager, wages. First Timothy, Paul says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in, in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, don't muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. The laborer deserves his wages. A third principle here, a third principle, demonstrate the love you have for your teachers by financially supporting them. So you're, de- you're demonstrating, you're, you're valuing the word, you're demonstrating the value you have for the word by financially supporting your teachers. And then thirdly, you're demonstrating love you have for teachers by financially supporting them. Now, um, those of you who are not supported financially by the church may not grasp fully how important this principle is. You may not be able to grasp fully the way in which your financial support of the church ministers to the people who are on staff at it. Again, just being transparent here, right? There's not a person in this room who doesn't have some sort of physical fears, I'm imagining, at some point. No matter how wealthy you are, there's some sort of physical fear that, that I'm, I'm sure you've struggled with, and that maybe it's a, a fear of, of uh, 
health, some sort of physical problem that you've gone through. Uh, Maybe it is financial. All of us go through that. And when, when a church like Bethany financially supports the church to the, to the degree to which people at Bethany do, what it says is you're, you're telling the people who are on staff at the church, you're saying, we, have, we, we personally have issues. <laughs> we have kids in college. We have some bills we're not sure how we're going to pay. We have vacations we were planning on taking. We have a car that's broken down. And yet, in the midst of all those things, we love you and we are bearing the burden of caring for you because we love you. Your financial support of people who are engaged in gospel ministry demonstrates love. And listen to what Paul says. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, he says, uh, to the Corinthians, he says, give to prove your love. Your, your giving is, is proof of your love. In Philippians 4, Paul would write this. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, yet it was, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And, and you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. And, and so he's talking about, look, I, I was alone, and yet in my, in my feeling alone, you guys stepped up. <laughs> and you say, well, well Paul, are you, are you just kind of desiring the, uh, the, the um, Philippians to, to give so that you have the gift? And he says, no, it's not that I seek the gift. I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Good pastors enter into the ministry not to become wealthy because they want people to grow in Christ. And so seeing saints who are themselves in in financial difficulties or, or dealing with the realities of life give and support gospel ministry is a huge encouragement. And you've heard, I'm sure you've all heard horror stories of churches where members withheld finances and they told pastors, look, unless, unless, you know, you, unless you go, we're not going to give again. I mean, it's just, just terrible, terrible things that happen. Giving communicates love. And then a fourth principle here, uh, support teachers of God's word to such an extent that they have all good things. Now, we're going to spend the next seven weeks talking about good things that you have that I want. Um, No. Here's where things get dicey, right? Here's where things get a little dicey because you say, well, okay, um, how do we support people who are engaged in gospel ministry, pastors, missionaries? And I don't think this means you find the, the wealthiest person in the church and you make sure that the pastor has every good thing that they have. And I think it also doesn't mean that every church in the world supports their, their pastor in the same way. You know, if a person ministering in California may have a different financial compensation and, and gift that, different than a person who's ministering in a, a third world country or a church in a, in a different region. And I think there's a real danger, by the way, of both overgiving and undergiving as, as we think about what all good things means. Undergiving disobeys the clear instruction here of God, but also overgiving can obscure the gospel and make Christ look bad as it makes the gospel message seem like a get-rich-quick scheme. John Calvin would write this. He says, God does not want ministers to have an immoderate 
and superfluous abundance. He says, merely pastors should not lack any of the necessary supports of life. Ministers should be satisfied with frugal fare. The danger of luxury and pomp must be avoided. Therefore, so far as their needs demand, let believers regard all their property as at the disposal of godly and holy teachers, what return they make for the inestimable treasure of eternal life which they receive by their preaching. One church puts it this way uh, as it talks about congregations. It says, make sure your ministers are, are free from worldly care. Another question a person might ask as they think about this, they say, well, could I live comfortably on what we, we pay our staff? You know, if, if this were if this salary and, and this culture, would it deprive me and my family of some pretty important things? Would I be willing for the sake of the gospel to live like I'm asking uh, the staff to live? You say, well, Daniel, the problem is uh, our church doesn't publish all the, the staff salaries. How do we know? And at some point, we, we trust the, the lay elders. The lay elders are in charge of setting the exact amounts. But we also, we can look at the, the general line items and say, okay, are we, we, we headed in this, in this area and, and in a healthy, godly direction. And, and my testimony to, to you would be that we are, uh, by God's grace, uh, you are very generous. Here's the point. Because we love the Word, because we love God's Word, and because we love those who teach it, we're willing to provide the good things that they need so they can be provided for as they teach it. And I recognize recognize that listening to God's Word taught on a Sunday morning is a difficult thing. I know whenever I go and I listen to other pastors, it, it, it is not an easy thing to sit there for 45 minutes or so and, 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 and listen to the Word. I mean, you have near you, most of you, some device <laughs> that, that can access, while I'm talking, I, I'm, I'm competing, God's Word is competing with, with a device that can access almost all all of human knowledge within just a couple of seconds. Something enters into your head and you say, you know what, I wonder how big do penguins get? And then, you know, you, you know. Or, you know, you can, you can have access to almost anyone in the world in just a few moments. You know what, I, I think I will tweet at that politician. You know, and there, there's just, it's just really easy to have access. I know some of you... T- Text me during the sermon. I mean, it's not, I'm not, I, I get several texts, you know, from, you know, oh, so-and-so's, uh, they're engaged. They have some, you know. It's just, I know it's hard. It's, it's hard for me. But, but, but brothers and sisters, it's, it's worth it, right? We value God's word. And, and, and valuable things do not come easy. Understanding God's word is not something that just comes easily. It requires, it requires me to spend hours and hours a week studying it, and it requires you to come in and, and say, I am committed during this time to listen to what God's word has to say because it's valuable. It's worth it. This is important to do. All right, now, now let's talk about some principles for the one who teaches, okay? Let's talk about some principles for the one who teaches. And... Uh, <laughs> Someone just texted me. Very funny, CJ. Uh, 
Some principles for the one who teaches. And, and I'm going to speak uh, to those, I'm going to speak more directly to those who, uh, who are either currently or future. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to pretend like I'm just speaking to pastors here, okay? So everyone's in the room, but I'm going to speak directly to, to pastors, and this can be helpful for you as you think about future ministry. Perhaps God's calling some of you to pastoral ministry or missionary ministry. Maybe you're going to be mentoring others who are, maybe you're some of your children or friends. So let me just talk to those who are, are the teachers. Uh, some principles for you. Okay, number one, prioritize the ministry of the word, right? The one who teaches, Paul says, it's the same word as the one who, who's receiving the teaching, that, that same word for teaching. It's, it's talking about, it's talking about uh, biblical instruction. Prior, prioritize the ministry of the word. Your, your job description is not that complicated. Devote yourself to the, to the teaching of the saints in prayer, don't get distracted as you interact with people in hospitals, counseling, meetings. Your job is to proclaim God's word. The church has enabled you to engage in this ministry for that purpose. God has not called people to sacrificially give so you can spend your time on giving sermons about the latest Marvel movie or sermon series centered around the latest felt need for, for bravery or royalty or uh, loyalty or contentment. And then to find some passages that go with those topics, God has called you to spend your time in the careful study of God's word, so value that ministry so that as you preach, as you teach in Sunday school classes, as you go to hospitals, as you go to people's homes, you can communicate God's word. Second principle, number two, find contentment in whatever God has given you through your church. Find contentment in whatever God has given you through your church. Pastors, we struggle, missionaries, staff members, we struggle with contentment when we look at what others have that we don't have instead of looking at what others don't have that we have graciously been given. Paul says in Philippians 4, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you've revived your concern for me. You indeed were concerned for me, but you, you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. How can Paul have that confidence? How, how can Paul have that contentment? How can Paul say, in whatever situation I'm in, I have contentment? He could say it because he has Christ. And uh, those of you who are engaged in gospel-proclaiming ministry, what does it communicate to you when you don't have contentment in the things that God has provided you? It, it communicates that Christ is not sufficient. In fact, one of the characteristics of false teachers, of missionaries, of, of pastors, of, of staff people who aren't true followers of Christ, one of the characteristics is a, a lack of contentment. They're those who who minister for shameful gain. Jude describes false teachers as shepherds who feed themselves. Second Peter describes false teachers as people who in their greed exploit you. They exploit you with false words. We need to find contentment in whatever God has given us through his church. Number three, we model generous giving for the flock. Those of us who are in pastoral ministry model generous giving for the flock. We don't ask people to give in a way that we ourselves are not willing to give. A few years ago, one of my sons asked me, he said, uh, Dad, 
because uh, we, we, we try to talk with our kids about giving and, and how we're kind of handling some of those things. And dad said, well, uh, my, my son said, well, dad, why do we give to the church? I mean, <laughs> that seems very inefficient. Like, <laughs> it's just going to come back anyway. I said, no, 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 that's, that's not how it works. As we give, we're, we're supporting other people who are engaged in gospel ministry. We're supporting uh, the missions. We're supporting our compassion ministries. We're supporting the, the lights that, that go on in the church. We're supporting the rental of five points. We're, we're engaged in all these things because they're, they're good things to be spending our finances on. Number four, a fourth principle. A fourth principle for those who are in ministry, receiving financial support. Avoid taking financial gifts in situations that would obscure the glory of Christ or would obscure the gospel. There are times where Paul, even though he could have received support from others, deemed it unwise. He said, you know what, I don't think this is a good situation. In, in 1 Corinthians 9, he's talking about Barnabas' ministry and his, and his ministry, and he says, we, we, could have, we could have received funds from you. He says, but um, we didn't. We didn't make use of this right because we were willing to endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Paul says the same things to the Thessalonians. We worked with you night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. In 2 Corinthians 11, in fact, he tells the Corinthians, he says, we received support from some people but not from you. I had opponents there in Corinth and to receive money from you would have obscured the gospel. It would have made us look bad. It would have made Jesus Christ, most importantly, it would have made Jesus Christ look bad. He says, so what did we do? We robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. There are times, pastors, those of you who are in ministry, there are times where you need to say, look, this is not an appropriate time for me to receive any sort of financial compensation for ministry. You're doing a, a funeral for an unbeliever. You don't need to be receiving financial support for that, right? That's my caution, not, not a command. But, but as you're engaged in body life, as you're doing weddings and funerals and, and, and caring for people, that, that, those are not times to be receiving. Those are not times where the people in your, your church, the people in your ministry, the people to whom you love, the people you're part of a family, where they need to, to feel a burden to financially support. Number five, fifth principle, minister for people, not a paycheck, right? It, it's, it's, it's sad, those of you in, in ministry, I would, I would caution with this, it, it's sad how often people are drawn to ministries for the paycheck. There, there's an idea, okay, I'm in this ministry, now I can go to a bigger ministry, now I can go to a more financially advantageous ministry. I would encourage you, minister to people, not a paycheck. Ask yourself a very important question would I be in this ministry if I was receiving no compensation at all for it? In other words, God's people have sacrificially given so that you can devote yourself to the teaching of God's word in various circumstances. Now, if, if, that, if they were no longer able to support you, if something happened in their financial world where they couldn't engage in that ministry anymore, what would you do? Are you called to people or to a paycheck? Be willing to say uncomfortable things. Be willing to say what God would have you say uh, to care for those whom he's entrusted to your flock. Sixth principle, avoid creating a, a beast that devours the church's ministry. Avoid creating beasts that devour the church's ministry. And I would say that both in the, in the church life and in your personal life. In other words, sometimes 
those of us who are involved in ministry, we, we, get, we, we begin to make bad financial decisions, and then we tell the church, look, here's where I am, and I've made these bad financial decisions. You need to support me. Avoid those things would put your church in danger. Make sure that you're honest with your church about where you're at, and, and don't get yourself into financial scraps that the church has to bail you out of. And then also in church life, as you think about programs, make sure that you're not burdening the church with, 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 with programs that, are, that, that, that consume the church's finances. Don't, through your leadership and pride, encourage the church to, to travel paths that would burden her. Last two principles, real quickly. Number seven, labor to give Christ's flock a good return on their investment. Labor to give Christ's flock a, a good return on their investment. It's easy to be lazy in ministry. Many are tempted to abuse the generosity of the saints. It's not a difficult thing, I'm sad to say it. It's not a difficult thing to fleece the flock. It's easy to put systems in place where there's no accountability of, of time, of finances. But work diligently to give Christ's flock a good return on their investment. And number eight, last principle, receive good things with humility and and gratefulness. Receive the good things that God's people give you with with humility and gratefulness. John Piper is a great model, I think, in this area of of how to think rightly about finances. There's many things you could look up about his life and, and the decisions that he made. He um, could have very easily made made lots of money off his books, made made zero dollars off of his his writings, and he was asked about this at the end of his ministry, and he said, "Look, why shouldn't a pastor?" Or he was asked, "Why shouldn't a pastor of a growing and thriving church earn more money as a reward for his hard work?" And blah blah blah. And he said, "I, I, I never felt." Listen to what Piper says. I never felt that I was the church's privilege but that she is mine. To be at my church was gift, all gift. To be at the church, I was never God's, Piper saying, I was never God's gift to the church. The church was God's gift of grace to me. And if you don't have that conviction, you have no business being in ministry, Right? If you don't see yourself as a recipient of of grace of God through his people, you need to run from ministry. And and it is a humbling and uncomfortable thing for those of us to receive our finances from the church, right? And what I would say to you as as pastors, as as missionaries, as staff members, glory in that humiliation. Sometimes people will tell me, look, Daniel, I I don't want to accept gifts from the church. And I say, join the club, right? I I understand. But, but, But at this point in your life, this is what you need. And those of us who receive our financial compensation of the church, we're, we're, at the form, we're at the forefront of that. It's not a, a pleasant feeling for our pride, but what is true for pastors, for church staff, for missionaries, is just an illustration of the reality that all of us, all of us experience in this room. Everything that we possess is God's, and there's nothing we have that we didn't receive from someone else. Nothing that, that we have that's not, not, not all of ours. God in his grace has given to us and God in his grace calls all of us to hold all things in common. And I would say on behalf of the, I say this to all of us now, on behalf of, of all who are on staff at, at Bethany Community uh, and those of us 
maybe who are missionaries, uh, my family and I have never lacked any good thing. Never been unemployed. Rarely had a decrease in, in salary from year to year. And so I would, I would say on behalf of all the, the, the staff, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to have all good things. We feel loved. And more importantly than that, we feel that God is glorified because we value him, we love his word. Next week, we're going to talk about sowing and reaping. And, and what we see here is we are committing to sowing and supporting God's word being taught and by God's grace throughout the world, and we're going to see the, the reaping of, of commitment to God's word as we see his word bear fruit. We financially support the ministry of those who instruct us in the word because we believe that their ministry has eternal value for our souls. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the grace of being able to be a part of, of a family here. We thank you that we have the opportunity to bear one another's burdens. And here in this specific area of, of the instruction of the, of the word, we pray that we would be faithful to value your word, that each of us, those of us who receive support to, to be able to focus on word ministry, that we would be faithful to do that well, that we would study your word carefully and, and teach it carefully and, and passionately, and that it would change hearts. And we pray that those of us who receive, uh, receive the word would, would be generous with all that we have, that we would come together as a family and, and, and come to your word carefully and then apply it in our lives and apply it in one another's lives and speak to each other truth. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And God's people said with joy, amen. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.